Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey everybody, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies. Today is episode 42, Growing Your Apiary with Two Frame Nukes. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, I do appreciate you jumping in. Feel free to reach out, Jeff, at beekeepingfornewbies.com or more on the bees at protonmail.com. So we have had a lot of cool discussions here in the Discord room lately and uh, through email, and I got a mute the laptop because I'm we're like there's like I don't know 30 people or however many people are chatting it up right now but anyway uh, we've got a lot of activity going on a lot of questions and it is a busy busy time of year people are dealing with swarming and and swarm trapping and um, burk home and all kinds of crazy things so I wanted to go ahead and do do my best to get this episode out as quickly as possible. We're going to talk about, you know, what a two-frame nuke is, how it differentiates kind of between a, you know, a four- or five-frame nuke, uh, some areas that you can use it in to to grow the apiary or to kind of serve as a standby for other things. So we'll talk all about that. First off, I do want to do a quick announcement. So the Virginia State Beekeepers Association is having their annual spring meeting. It's taking place June 10th and 11th at Sweetbriar College. So if you're in familiar... Uh, if you're in Virginia and you're familiar with, I think it's pretty close to uh, Lynchburg area of Virginia. Registration for that is now open and information can be found in the Discord room or you can go to the VSBA website, the Virginia State Beekeepers Association website, or just do a Google search and you'll track it down there. But if you're having any trouble finding it, shoot me an email, you know, touch base with somebody in the Discord, whatever, and we'll help you, we'll help you find that. All right, so let's dive right into the discussion. Oh, wait, wait. Before we get into the discussion, uh, there was a question earlier that I couldn't get to, to uh, when, it, when the message first came out, but I wanted to answer it. So the question was, what are we going to do with honey frames that we have while we're waiting to extract them? I think there are a few different things to talk about with that, a few things we can cover. Me, personally, I don't take them off until it's time to extract Having them on the hive with the colony allows them to kind of maintain things and, you know, keep it clean, keep things out of it, you know, maintain whatever needs to be done to keep it in harmony with nature. I just leave it there. When it's time to extract, that's when you kind of have one of two options, basically. You can put an escape board down, which allows the bees to come out of the super but not go back up into it. Put that on, you know, a day or two before you want to take them off. And then you'll go and you'll open up the uh, the hive. You'll go into that super and there will be no bees in there. Super easy to deal with. Alternatively, you can just go and, you know, kind of shake the bees off the frames. Maybe, you know, brush them off. Just blow on them. And, uh, and that'll get them off the frames and you can put them aside for extraction. 
there are some people that will just take a whole bunch of them off over a period of time and then they want to extract them later on, which I kind of discourage that unless you have a specific place that you can store them to protect them. I recommend keeping them in the colony. There are a few different things that people will do, and there are kind of different approaches depending on who you talk to. There is something I had heard a long time ago about somebody had said, oh, you never freeze honey. And I, and for whatever reason, that stuck in my mind. And I kind of had done a little bit of research on it, and I didn't see that same thing. So I don't know if I'm completely losing my mind, which is entirely possible, or if I made that up or something. I have no idea. But anyway, there are, there are some things you can do around freezing the frames that can kind of kill a couple birds with one stone. So it's not unusual for bugs and different things to get onto a frame. So if you pull it out of a colony, put it aside somewhere, you may have something in there that you don't even know is there that could actually start messing with the frames and eating them. If you get a wax moth in there that you didn't see, and then it goes up into that honey frame and starts laying things up, and, and it will just destroy. I mean, I, there's a video I put on YouTube where I took a, a nuke out of a, a storage space I had and there were wax moth larvae all over the place. If you get a chance, check out the video. It's, uh, it's on Samsell Farms under YouTube. But it's, it's nasty. I think somebody made a comment on there. Well, maybe you can use them for fishing, uh, for bait for fishing. I think you probably could, but they're nasty. And I just pulled, I don't know, a couple, maybe a half, uh, probably 50 different hive components, two-frame nukes, frames, all kinds of stuff out of a storage area. And there was just a little bit of wax in a couple of them. Wax moth got in there and destroyed it. But anyway, taking those frames, putting them into the freezer and being able to leave them in there for a few days or even a few weeks, that'll help get off, you know, any of the, you know, bugs or germs or anything that might be on there. Freezing them generally takes care of that. What you need to watch out for, though, with the storage of them, you want to put them in a place where it's dry. Um, you know, once they're capped, all the, the moisture content is pretty much removed, so you don't have to deal with a lot of the moisture-related things necessarily, but if you have them in a damp environment, they're going to get moldy, they're going to get gross. If it's anywhere that an animal can eat it, like a raccoon, bear, possum, any kind of small animal, you put it like in a garage, they're probably going to, or a garage or a shed or an outdoor storage building, they're probably going to find a way into it and just go nuts. If you put it anywhere that ants can get to it, same thing, they'll, they'll just destroy it. I would recommend putting them into like a bag and then there's little dry packs that you see like whenever you buy something it's got the dry packs in there to keep the moisture out something like that maybe to keep the area dry that you're securing them in but basically like a plastic tub or I like to do something inside of something like put them into a plastic bag and then put that into a cooler or put it into a um, a tub or something but I now full disclosure you know I don't do that I at the end of the season, if I have extras, if I have a surplus of something, I try to distribute it to hives or colonies that are more needy. They, For whatever reason, it looks like maybe they're a little bit light and I had a problem in some capacity or way with another colony and they're gone and I've got eight frames of honey as an example. I'll go ahead and distribute that to another colony that's maybe a little bit light. If I don't do that, I go ahead and extract it and, and use it myself but I just don't leave them laying around usually. So that's just me, kind of my preference. But like I said, 
try, you know, if you, if you have a spare freezer, I have a small floor freezer. So that's where I kind of decontaminate all of my old, uh, like whenever I have anything weird that gets into a, a frame, it goes into the freezer. I can put about, I don't know, 10 with all the other junk that's in there, my fishing bait and all the other junk that's in there. I can get about 10 or 12 frames in at a time, put them in for three days, take them out, and then uh, bring the next group in. I just kind of rotate them out like that. But you could definitely put them in the freezer like that. I would probably recommend not just dropping them back into a colony from the freezer. You know, put it somewhere at room temperature inside. <laughs> because it's, there have been years where I have been doing an inspection and I have laid, like set a honey frame down next to a colony, been working inside that colony, walked away to go get something. And I come back, it took me a little longer than I expected or whatever, and bees from all over are just robbing the heck out of that frame. So don't leave honey frames laying around, particularly in the middle of the summer or if you have a dearth wherever you live. Definitely don't mess around with that because friends and neighbors will drop by to take their honey. Okay, so hopefully that kind of gives you some kind of an option or some ideas of what to do. Like I said, I just leave mine on until I'm ready to extract and the bees will maintain it and everything's fine. Okay, now we can jump into the discussion here. So as it's titled, we're talking about growing the apiary using two frame nukes. But in addition to this, I want to talk about kind of some of the other benefits um, you know, that these smaller nukes have in the apiary, as well as some of the things that are going to be required to kind of keep them alive and functional. Let's kind of break it down into, I don't know, like two or three different little sections here and kind of talk through everything. What is the two frame nuke? So what I will do is I'm, I'm not at the apiary right now, but I have a lot of gear to clean up. I just moved a whole bunch of stuff out of storage in preparation for this spring and the activity that's going on this spring. And in there, I found a bunch of two frame nukes that I made that, that, and they're actually really, really durable. I made them out of plywood and it's a thicker plywood and um, they're super strong. So I'll just do a quick video and I'll show you guys what they look like and everything, but it is literally just two frames. And sometimes it ends up being, for me, like I've done a frame feeder and then a frame of foundation and like a handful of bees and a queen cell. I mean, there's a whole different, we'll, we'll go into all the all the, the in-depth of that. But, you know, if you think of this, any other nuke that you would have, a four frame, a five frame, six frame, whatever kind of setup you have, same overall length to accommodate, you know, uh, a regular deep, the length of a deep frame same height. Everything's the same. It's just the capacity is two frames. One recommendation I would have is the ones that I built, the ones I made are really heavy, but you do want to make sure you're doing something. You're keeping things in mind as to how you're going to keep them from falling over. They do get a little bit top heavy. So as you're placing them or thinking about where to place them, plan for a couple of bricks or center blocks or something to be next to them, a couple blocks of wood, just something that keeps them stable and in place. Because like I said, especially when they're new, when they're new and they don't have a lot of bees and honey and nectar and brood and all those things inside, they they get a little uh, little top heavy. So what can you do with the two-frame nuke? So the number one thing you can do, super easy, you can install a package of bees into a two-frame nuke. You have to be cautious with this. You really got to stay on top of things because I did that I'm trying to think it was COVID year and I had, uh, I had a bunch of things that were supposed to be shipped to me. There were some things I was supposed to go pick up and 
these places that ran into all kinds of issues. And I'm, so I'm thinking like, crap, how am I going to get the bees I'm supposed to get? And we worked out a deal where I'm like, well, I can't get a hotel because I'm, everybody's all COVID creeped out. You know, this is like, I don't know, March, April of 2020. Still needed to get the bees. So I fired up the RV and Phoebe and I went down and we picked up the bees down in Georgia from a couple different places and brought them back in the RV. And it was, it was a fun trip. It was actually pretty cool, but it was a little unorthodox. So we're, you know, we're rolling down the road in the RV with <laughs> about as many packages of bees as we could fit inside the RV. And yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. But anyway, when you put a package of bees into a two frame nuke and it's the springtime and there's a flow, they are going to fill that thing so fast. What I ended up doing was getting them all installed. I was super excited. Everything was going great. And then I, I just didn't even really pay attention. They started swarming. I mean, like three weeks later, I think I don't even think it was that long. Within like a week and a half, they had completely built everything out and they were starting to swarm. The swarm cells were there. I think it was like three, like right at three weeks and they were starting to swarm. And I just was like, oh my God. And so I had these small, there were small colonies anyway that were packaged bees in two frame nukes that were swarming and leaving. And now I just had even a, a lower number of bees to start from. I lost several of those colonies. It was it was a bad decision of me to put, I don't know, 30 of them. I think like 30 of them went into two-frame nukes. And in my mind, I was so excited. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to take some queen cells from them and do this and do that. It just all happened way too fast. I didn't have enough hardware on hand. It was not very well managed on my part. But it was a great way to give the bees a quick, immediate home. Now, how am I using that to grow the apiary? Well, I can just pack them in like that with those package of bees, wait about a week and a half or two, go in, grab a queen cell off of a frame, and basically drop, you know, I can either cut the queen cell out, put that into a new colony, basically take one frame out that has bees on it and leave one frame behind, move that one frame into another two-frame nuke with the queen cell, and now you've got a queen in one, a queen cell in the other, and you're just repeating this. And you can keep doing this over and over. Uh, again, it's a great way to create some some spare queens. It's a great way to grow the, your total number of colonies. Having a spare laying queen around and readily available is really pretty helpful. Hey, everyone, thank you for listening. I hope that you're enjoying the show and are finding the information to be useful and valuable. In order to help keep the lights on, we do need to take a quick commercial break. Thank you so very much for hanging in there, and I appreciate you. We will be right back. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, everyone, welcome back, and thank you for staying with us today. As always, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or comments. I always enjoy hearing about your experiences, answering questions, and learning more about the challenges you're facing in different parts of the world. So please keep them coming. It's Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. Now let's get back to the show on the Beekeeping for Newbies radio network. Okay, that's not a real thing, but I'm trying to make it sound more official, so just play along, all right? Thanks a lot. Okay, so we've covered a couple of introductory things, but I got a couple more that I want to talk about like things that you can do, not just with growing the apiary, but some other reasons why you might want to have two frame nukes. And this and this really applies to kind of nukes in general. I love the two frames because it, it forces them to, to get crowded early and gets them laying and making queen cells early. But there are a lot of things that you want to consider. We're going to come back to those considerations in a minute. But I'm going to hit into kind of some bonus reasons for why you want to have them around. So how many stories do you hear of people who do an inspection and they manipulated the frame in the wrong way and they killed their queen. Or maybe they didn't catch their swarm in time and the new virgin queen that was born went out to be mated and never came home. Right? Those are a couple of examples of real-world things that happened. We had somebody in the Discord room just the other day. They saw some queen cells. They went in. They destroyed all the queen cells. And then they were in a situation where they kind of said, oh, crap, my queen's not here. They they recognized that the colony had swarmed. They destroyed a bunch of queen cells, and the virgin queen is not there right now. She has not yet made it back from her mating flight, and that could put this person into a bit of a predicament. So having that two-frame nuke on hand with a laying queen, he or she, whoever it might be, can always say, well, that queen appears to be gone. I don't know what's going on. Let me go grab a frame with the queen on it out of my two-frame nuke, and we'll drop that into this production colony and get them back on track. I mean, that's really, really a great way to use them. Another way you can use them is if you have a good, you know, kind of a longer flow, you can go and take these and, and just use them as brood factories. So, you know, your two, three, four-frame nukes, whatever sizes you want to use, they will just keep, those queens are going to keep laying and keep laying and keep laying. You're pulling out frames of brood and you're dropping them in those production colonies to give them just a massive, massive number of bees. So that's another you know great benefit. Now, again, like I mentioned before, you really got to keep an eye on them because they will swarm quickly in a nectar flow. But, you know, again, they're easy to pick up, move around, manage. You can disband them at the end of the season if you need to. You're like, okay, we don't need this anymore. We're going to move the remaining bees into a production colony for overwintering or, you know, whatever you decide you want to do. But there's just so many reasons why they're easy to work with and they're fun. And, it, and again, it's really cool because when you're dealing only with your larger production colonies, experimenting and playing around is not necessarily something you want to do. Like I know right now, you know, I know exactly how that feeling is. You've got this little baby and it's a delicate little colony and you don't want to start tweaking and tuning and pushing and pulling and doing anything that might be out of the ordinary because if you mess up, your bees are gone and that's it. Now you got to go start all over again next year, right? But with these little two-frame nukes, you can kind of experiment, play around and try something different. Try, you know, some kind of a synthetic pollen substitute and see what works or try 
try messing around with those pollen patties and see, hey, there's a little bit of a dearth. Are they taking the pollen patty or not? You know, just try different things. And that's what those cool little free nukes are for. You basically pull a frame from an existing hive, bring it over there to, to start off with, and then it's free. Like you didn't have to pay for it. You're now making a little queen factory if you want. I mean, you could be making a new queen cell with those things probably, I don't know, once every 10, 12 days per you know, per frame or per two frame nuke, if you wanted to do that. Now, some things that you really got to remember that's really important. Just because you took a frame that maybe has some nurse bees and it's got young larvae or eggs on it, and you've dropped that into any size nuke, doesn't matter. Just because you put it somewhere and you're like, okay, it's here. They're going to go make a queen now. That's not exactly how that works. The absolute best time of year to be doing anything that involves making new queens, making new colonies, the best time to do it is right now. When you have, and I'm speaking specifically to like, you know, the mid-Atlantic, the Southeast, the places where I live, but you're looking for your nectar flow. When that nectar flow kicks in, when everything is in bloom, the bees are just going nuts. This is every beekeeper's favorite time of year because it's just so wonderful to see everything that's going on. And it's a time, like I've said before, where you can kind of get away with making a few mistakes here and there because there's there's so much goodness to what's going on in the environment that, you know, you can make a few mistakes and they're easy to correct. But as that flow tapers and the colony as a whole, as a community, recognizes that the amount of pollen, the amount of nectar that's coming in is diminishing they will begin to taper and reduce the number of new bees that they are raising. That's just part of the good genetics, of, good genetic traits of a colony that is being successful. So if you take a frame, like I just mentioned, that has a bunch of eggs and larvae, and you drop that into, you know, uh, it's got nurse bees all over it, you drop it into a new colony, and there's no food anywhere. There's no pollen, there's no nectar, the, the carbs and the... And the uh, protein, those things aren't present. They will not raise new anything. They won't raise new brood. They won't raise a queen cell. They have to have resources. What we tend to do at times of year where we need to keep things moving along is we will feed. So you may have to supplemental feed with these two frame nukes. You may want to put a feeder on the inside. I've done a frame feeder before with these. I've also put a second two frame section on top of it with like a jar feeder. I've also done open feeding, which again, I'm a big fan of open feeding. Some people don't like it. It has its place and there's a right way and kind of a wrong way to do it, which we can discuss another time. But if you're open feeding or you're inside the hive feeding, whatever you want to do, but you just, you need to provide a synthetic flow, nectar flow for them. If you want them to keep producing and you know, the sugar syrup is one thing, right? That's going to get them the carbs, but they do still need the protein. And if you don't have, you know, the synthetic pollen or something that gets them that protein, they're not going to be able to grow healthy um, queens or healthy larvae. You know, as you get out of the nectar flow, or let me go back for a second. In the nectar flow, the, um, the quality of your queens is so much better because resources are abundant. So if you're trying to continue making new colonies and making new queens throughout the summer, as an example, where I am, where that the dearth is basically like mid-June through like middle of August, 
you really have to be cognizant of the fact that business kind of shuts down for the bees. And it's, it's a sad thing. I hate this, you know, like right now everything is starting to get, get nutty and crazy. And the, you'll look on the entrance of your hives and you see this, this orangey yellow kind of trail everywhere from all the pollen they've dropped coming in the door. You go from that to, you know, like mid July where they're all literally just hanging out around the hive. Like what do y'all want to do today? You know, they're just looking around. They got nothing going on because there's just no nectar flow. When there's no nectar flow, you're not building up colonies. So please, please, if you take nothing away from what I'm talking about today, recognize that unless there is a nectar flow, and unless, whether it's natural or synthetic, right, whether it's happening in nature or whether you're creating a synthetic flow by sugar syrup and pollen substitute and things like that, they are not going to raise brood. They will not raise new queens. So just be, be very mindful of that. Now, another thing to keep in mind is when you're trying to raise throughout the season, you're trying to raise new queens and, and smaller colonies that your supplemental feeding and everything, just, again, be mindful that if you're putting sugar syrup inside of one of these colonies to feed them, I honeybees can smell that stuff. And those two-frame nukes, they're smaller, they're weaker, and it's very easy for a much larger nearby colony to completely overwhelm them and rob them out. And again, when it's July, August, and there's nothing else around, they will take that risk. You know, they will. That's where if you ever see the honeybees that look black, you know, because the honeybee is actually all black. Now, so I'm, I'm doing the best I can as the colorblind guy here, but honeybees are all black. But they have, you know, like the, like the yellow striping, the yellow hairs. All those hairs kind of get kind of chewed off as they're robbing other colonies. So you'll see these little black bees come in, and you're like, where'd they come from? They have the, the regular hair that used to be around them, making them a black and yellow bee or whatever the colors are. But uh, the, those hairs are gone because they've been, you know, uh, been, they've been harassing other colonies and getting their hair chewed off. So I didn't know that until, I don't know, probably way too long into my beekeeping career before someone told me that or I read it or whatever. But be mindful of robbing. It is, is absolutely a, a real thing that's going to occur if you're trying to feed some of these smaller colonies inside the colony. This is why... I, I am more of an advocate for outside feeding. But if you're going to open feed, I guess we'll go ahead and talk about it real quick. If you are going to open feed, you want to get that away from your colonies as far as you can. I've had open feeders 30, 40 feet away from my colonies before, and it really hasn't presented a problem because those have been stronger colonies. Not everybody has the ability to put them 50, 100 feet, 200 feet away. But if you can get them a couple hundred feet away, that's perfect, right? The, the bees are going to smell. They will, they will track that stuff down. Like, I, I mean, I've put out sugar syrup in a new location in the middle of the summer before in a five-gallon bucket, which I still owe you guys a video on. I know it's on my to-do list. Like, literally in the Discord room, I have a to-do list. It's on the list. I promise you I'm going to get to that very, very soon. But I'll put one of those feeders out, I think, within like 20, 30 minutes, Bees are on it. And then you come back an hour later and it's just a mat. They go back and they tell their friends and they tell two friends and they tell two friends. And next thing you know, it's they're, they're like gangbusters. So I, I do a lot of the open feeding, but you just got to be really careful with it on some of the smaller colonies. So the last thing I'll leave you with today is, you know, everything I talked about with the two frame nukes really is applicable, whether you're doing two, three, four frame, five frame. The difference is with those larger, you know, three and four frame nukes, you can have a little bit more time. You have a little bit more time to deal with before they completely build everything out. But how you handle things, how you manage them, the considerations, those things are, are all the same. 
You just really want to pay attention because nukes will grow very quickly. I know there's something else that I'm supposed to bring up today, and I do not remember what it is, and it's going to drive me nuts. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. I am trying to get in touch with all of you here on as regular of a basis as I possibly can. I've made lots of upgrades to different types of technology. The video stuff is still coming along. I had to add a microphone based on the video I did the other day. There were some audio issues. So we're definitely going to be going full video soon, but I will be getting some more audio audio and video down at the apiary this week. Uh, hopefully it'll be wrapped up by the end of the weekend, but I'm doing the best I can to get everything to you in a timely manner because I know there's a lot going on and people are seeing a lot of cool things. So keep in touch, stay engaged in the Discord room. For those of you who aren't on the Discord yet, just uh, go to beekeepingfornewbies.com. We've got a link on the page there where you can jump in. I think we're pushing like 55 or 60 members right now. And uh, we have a growing audience in India. So thank you to the folks listening out in India. That's pretty exciting. All right, everybody, I'm going to wrap it up. I'll see you in the Discord room. Take care of yourself, be kind to one another, and we'll talk to you very soon. So long.